I think being open, ready to learn and understanding that any point on the journey, something amazing can spark if you are not so certain that you know the next step already. You are now listening to Via Crayons, the podcast, extraordinary conversations with Trinidad and Tobago's creative thinkers and makers. We'll delve into their processes, their struggles, and what drives them to execute continually as creative individuals. I'm your host, Dano McNichol. Enjoy. This podcast is a production of A Big Box of Crayons. Please review and rate the show by going to podchaser.com slash the podcast. You can help support the show by buying us a coffee or two at buymeacoffee.com slash wearecrayons. And this is We Are Crayons, the podcast. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Lisa Gittens. Fashion designer, costume designer, mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one I always add in. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. Thanks for joining us thanks today. Thanks for having me, Dan. No Good problem at all. So, Lisa, let's kick things off. Tell me about your childhood, how you grew up, and how has that impacted who you are as an adult? I come from a tight-knit, close family. Alice of four, I have three younger brothers. I used to boss them around a lot until they all got to be the same size as me, and then I couldn't do that anymore. I guess important to know is that my dad is Trini and my mum is Irish. So we had a Trini upbringing, but with a very different sort of sensibility added into the mix. So we used to do all kinds of things. Like we would pack a picnic in the car and drive on a Sunday somewhere like to the Tampuna Water Reserve and sit and have a picnic. People didn't really do that in those days, but that was sort of what my mother would have done in her childhood. So she did it for her kids and we did the Trini version of it. So I kind of grew up all over Trinidad having these different experiences I was creative from very young, highly strung, plenty of opinions. I cooked from a young age. My mum gave me a sewing machine when I was, you know, kind of seven or eight. And I started making dolls clothes from there. And even before then, I would kind of sketch pictures of clothes that I wanted to make for my Barbies and my baby dolls and stuff like that. So it definitely was encouraged a lot by my parents. They, they encouraged us all really to kind of explore our talents a bit and facilitated that way they could. And also gave us a real loving foundation to kind of jump off and explore life from that's that's really cool that to have that support from young because i wasn't easy i've gotten better and mellowed as i have aged and people who meet me now think i'm lovely and i am it took a lot of work to get me here thank you there's a big shout out to my family for putting up with me in the beta testing years so this is what lisa what five point somewhere on there i'm sure there's more versions to come (laughs) i'm sure that's most important you mentioned that you were always creative as a child as you have grown what does creativity mean to you now i guess when i was younger i always thought that creativity and artistry were linked right that to be a creative you have to be doing something super duper artsy but actually the act of creating is bringing something into existence that was not there before and as i've gotten older i've actually discovered that what i love the most is the technical side of bringing an idea to fruition that is where like the creativity for me that's how i describe what being creative is whether it's a outfit for a client or a costume for a character in a movie there's a vision and your job as the creative is get from concept to execution and they both are really important it's great to have lots of good ideas but you can lose the amazingness of those ideas if the execution is not on point Mm -hmm. so really creating is the bridging of the 
either the execution, bring it to the finished product as true to what you conceived while allowing for all the millions of little swirls and bumps that happen along the way that you don't anticipate as you go along the, the journey to bring it to life. From your standpoint, have you figured out what your creative process is and is that something you could articulate to me? For me, that conversation is slightly complex because as I've gotten older and once I became a mother in the early days, you had an idea and you just could give as much time and effort as you wanted to that idea mm -hmm. and let it allow it to flourish. I don't have that luxury really anymore. One, I'm using my creativity as a business now. So I have deadlines and commitments that I have to meet. Right. I have youngish children that I am still really involved with their day-to-day -day care. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have a full day. Like if a muse and me are having a great convo, I have to say, sorry, put a pin in that. I'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. when they've dropped the kids off to school, right? right. So I've learned to get way more disciplined about being realistic about what I can achieve in any span of time. And sometimes that means maybe making a little sacrifice in terms of the huge creativity of something, taking a slight hit there just to ensure that I actually reach completion. So it's a really delicate balance. I don't want to throw out ideas, but I do because of the pressures of life. My process has now become a little more focused on the more mundane aspect of the creativity versus the beautiful flights of fancy ideation. My process is really iteration, trial and iteration. And mm -hmm. as I move along, I improve. I like that little wrestle, you know, of like something is not giving me what I want, but I won't take that. I'm going to figure it out and get where I want to go. The details are really, really important. So within that space of time mm -hmm. that you get to think about your ideas, is there anything that you do specifically to put yourself in that frame of mind? I honestly love the sea and the beach. I just find a beach day really clears my head. Life is fast-paced for all of us, right? Sort of the day-to-day -day hamster wheel that we're all on, mostly, unless somebody has figured it out. And kudos to you, I'm really working on that formula for myself. But taking just a little time out, to daydream, you cannot daydream under pressure. So for me, if I'm trying to spark new ideas, I will try and change my location. Sometimes reading a good book, watching films is a big thing. And particularly now that I'm more involved in costuming for film and stuff like that, I appreciate them in a whole other way. I can get very inspired and fired up if I'm looking for ideas. And then the tried and tested one for me when it comes specifically to the clothing is that fabrics inspire me. Mm -hmm. So I will browse online, I'll go downtown. You know, if I'm kind of lacking inspiration and I'm looking for a new direction to go or something specific for a client. I like to personally go and do the sourcing because I wait for the fabric to let me know who to choose. And mostly, most often, that's what happens. When did you realize that fashion is what you wanted to do? It's a weird story. I did not realize that. I did sciences at school because I was going to be a marine biologist. And when I realized it's not really swimming in the sea with dolphins, it's much more in the lab and filling out paperwork, which is honestly a metaphor for life that I didn't clue in at the time. But I've always made my own clothes is the, is the short answer. I've always dressed myself. I always used to take my dad's stuff and put darts in it to make it fit me or shorten a dress of my mother's. I've always made my own clothes and been creative in that way. And when I got to the end of my A-levels and I'd kind of hit a sort of a dead end because I didn't want to continue in the strictly academic way and I'd abandoned sciences by then. I did a broad kind of set of subjects in A-levels just for the sake of getting through the A-level period. It was my mother who suggested, as I mentioned, she's Irish and there's a design school in Dublin called the Grafton Academy of Dress Designing, which is a very esteemed eight-year-old institution. And they teach the practicality of pattern drafting, grading, 
how do you bring an idea to life? You know, they're not a typical art school. They're much more in the vein of a trade school. So the criteria to get in was something that I could manage, even though I hadn't done art at A-levels. And I have family in Ireland, so it was financially manageable for my family to get me there. I lived with my beloved grandmother for three years. It was magic. And that's how I ended up in fashion. It definitely was in me. It was something I was interested in. It wasn't like it was this dream that I chased after. It was something that kind of the stars just aligned and I, I got these opportunities. The really cool thing about the Grafton Academy is that when you finish their training, they actually make an effort to place you um, with certain companies. So I got a great job straight out of college, you know, earning really reasonable money at 22. I mean, I was having the time of my life. I had a great job. I was in the design room of a really well-established fashion house in Dublin. I was dealing directly with the CMTs, which are cut, make and trim factories. So basically I was, at the time I didn't recognize how lucky I was, but I was getting incredible training in both the design side of things, because what would happen in those meetings is you, we were the design team and then the buying team would come. And that's when I first clued in that when you're taking your creativity and you're making it a business, it really is not a one-way street. You, your ideas are not to be imposed on your market. You also have to listen to what your market wants and give them some of that as well. So it comes back to the dance we were talking about, about you want enough newness mm -hmm. that keeps you fresh and interesting and keeps your creativity right. flowing, but you also have to be very cognizant of what the market requires mm -hmm. and what is out there. You know, I, I was like, well, excuse me, I just came from fashion school and I have all these ideas and what, you know, you all don't even know what you're talking about. But... Of course, as you get on in your career, you realize the business side of things is as important, if not more important, if you're going to be making your living in the creative industries. You know, you have to listen to your market and be cognizant of that. How do you approach learning? Well, I was 22. Who doesn't think they knew everything at 22? I don't know. I, I was not humble. And I, like I said, yeah, yeah, you were looking back on it now, right? I, you know, I've had plenty of time to learn humility in life. And I, I actually... I'm in a great place now and have been for several years where everything in life is a learning experience. If you're open to it, I mean, that sounds really sort of amorphous to say, but it's actually true, you know? So my attitude to learning now is like, well, I can't learn enough. Any conversation you have with somebody, how people do things, this process that we are having now, I'm obsessed with listening to creatives and business people and whomever talk about their life and how they got where they are or what their life story was, because I, I think I used to take lots for granted that life was just very simple. And if you took steps, you eventually reached where you had to go without understanding all the complexity and all the different factors that come into play in people's lives. You know, like, look at those recent movies, Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man, you know, like it's these are icons, but they also had to walk that same journey, right? So there's a commonality. The circumstances of the journey are not the same, but the commonality of like the fair the nervousness, the trying new things. We just accept the song Bohemian Rhapsody as a classic now, but look how hard they had to push to get their record label to accept it, right? So I think being open, ready to learn and understanding that any point on the journey, something amazing can spark if you are not so certain that you know the next step already. If you are enjoying this episode, please leave us a review at podchaser.com slash podcast. You can support the show by buying us a coffee or two at buymeacoffee.com slash crayons. Follow us on Instagram at a big box of crayons. And now back to the show. 
Does your creativity come easily or is that something you have to struggle with? I actually find it more of a struggle. How do you deal with it? <sighs> well, first I try and give myself a little break because I'm doing the best I could do under these circumstances. And then I just keep at it. Sometimes you have to make three bad things or I'll design three styles and see the twirl and be like, oh, not really what I envisioned. But you also understand too, after a long while, it's ebb and flow in life, right? So when you're in the ebb and things are more tricky and more challenging, just hold a little space for that. Keep mm -hmm. pushing forward, but hold a little space for mm -hmm. that. You'll eventually get back to the point where it's really flowy. And for me, you know, I have three really good girlfriends. They all have their own small businesses as well. Pretty much single run like me. One is a photographer, one is a jeweler, one is a filmmaker. And we started doing these like morning breakfasts. Like when we get together, there is just... I don't know, something about being in a group of people. We're not in the same discipline, but we face the same struggles together. And it just kind of gives you a check and realigns you a little bit so that you can let go of the whole, oh God, why me? Why am I struggling with this? When it's a pretty universal thing that people struggle from time to time. And if you can be as pragmatic as you can about it, which I am way better at now since parenthood you have to be pragmatic about everything that's a real learning experience i would love to experience like that super duper rush of creativity like that you experience early on in your career where there's no impediments everything is a possibility you just write you just surf in that wave you know whereas it's a little harder now to make that happen so you mentioned that you have a group of friends that you bounce ideas off of and whatnot and in this day and age of social media and whatnot how does the opinions of other people on your work affect you gosh i i'm still quite affected i protect myself quite a bit to be mm. honest and that I measure my worth differently. You know, mm. I want to be a good person. I want to really put some time into having a whole flourishing family. I'm doing my best. If I'm not doing my best and I'm catching criticism, well, you've, you have no answer for that. You didn't, you, you reaped what you sowed. In those circumstances where I miss the mark, mm. well, okay, I try not to rake myself over the coals. And then I will try and figure out how to do better now. You know, the people say, turn it around, use it as inspiration. You can once you get over the sting of it. But right. I mean, this is me talking. I don't get a huge amount of feedback in general. So I have mm. never experienced like a rush of negative feedback. Right. Thank goodness. Has there ever been a point where something you did was rejected and it made you feel like hanging away? Yeah. Or? Yes, of course. Everybody goes through rejection and, and it's personal. You're creating something. It's the idea of your mind. It's the work of your hands. It's the, it comes from your soul. It's your child. Mm. So for it to meet rejection is really tough. Yeah, God, I tired crying. I'm a weeper, so I just have a good old ball and right. let it out. But as much as I say to it into inspiration, there's a time lapse. Huh? Yeah. It's not like I'm fine the minute it's happened. I, but it's, you know, once you can get over that initial sting of it and give it a little time, then you just say, okay, let me, is there a way I can come back a bit better? Can I pull a lesson from this? You have to have a tough skin, but we're also human. Has it ever gotten to the point where it made you doubt your talent? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I still doubt my talent to this day. I mean, I'm not sure. I would love to meet anybody who's in the creativity who never has a doubt. I now have reached a point where I wonder if that isn't part of the process. Like, mm -hmm. if you didn't have that, those butterflies in your stomach. Every time I get a new film job, so I'm not formally trained in film. What I do have is, you know, strong understanding of garment construction. I can create a lot of things here. I have a good eye. I can match up characters. I have people skills, all those things. But I... Don't sleep there. Eh? For the mm -hmm. whole pre-production and production of a movie, I am like lying in bed at whatever AM saying, did I, did, I, did, did I do this right? Did I make the right choice? So I've reached a point where maybe the doubt cannot be eliminated. 
So how can you live alongside it and minimize it? Because I am an overthinker and a perfectionist and all those kinds of things. And it can flatten and floor you if you let it. And the interesting thing is when you're doing it, it is terrifying. It's only after you release it into the world and you know it's okay. Mm. Then the rush is incredible and mm-hmm. you can do any amount of interviews saying oh yes i made this choice because blah blah but right. it's already been proven when you're making the choice it is full-on cold sweat yeah. right because yeah. it's it is nerve-wracking because you have the doubt is just it's my companion going through your journey thus far what has helped you persevere well my mother always said pull yourself up by your bootstraps right she was a lady that you just didn't miss school i mean if you were sick you shook that off and you went if you had made a commitment to something you honored that commitment she was not harsh about it it was just this was the ethos of Mm -hmm. our household so what makes me persevere that i guess is inbuilt in me and like i said the family support i'm making it sound like oh yes i just persevere because that's what you do in life no there's plenty wailing and gnashing of teeth my poor husband is a saint he hears it all i threaten to quit quite often Mm -hmm. ah this is it i done i done no more but you will then get the complete completely magical moments when things come together and the harsh reality is what else am I going to do? I have to contribute financially to my family. I have to be creative for my own soul and to feel that I am the person that I am. And if you believe that it's a gift from God, which I do, you have to use it. And then somewhere in all of that, I am an optimist. I'm always like, I just, okay, let me try this way. I bet you this way is going to work. I don't know what it is about me, but no matter how much times I fall and bounce my head, I'm like, hold on. I think I have one more in me. Another thing that helps me to persevere is trying to reframe my perception of how things actually are, right? I'm not a millionaire from what I do. It's quite a catch tail, honestly, the financial side of things. A lot of times mm-hmm. I, I do okay, but I've never gotten to a point where it's not an issue. It's always a bit of a juggle, right? So I look at a lot of people with fancier cars, nicer homes. I think, oh God, did I make the right choice? Whatever. Mm-hmm. But that has led me to a place where I define my success by an entirely different set of parameters. I am quite flexible in my timing, so I'm able to be very available for my kids. And as I mentioned earlier, my childhood growing up, I always, above all, wanted to build a family. That was my sort of number one ambition for myself. And I have been able to do that. Nothing in life comes for free, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to sacrifice something for others. Mm -hmm. You know, I try and be as straightforward as I can in all my dealings. I try and help. It's a different set of parameters. So even when I have done X amount of work and I look at the balance at the end of the month and go mm, okay so no beamer for me this month again no problem <laughs> we also live in a society very driven by success it looks a very particular Glory. way so mm-hmm. i kind of know my success is am i hitting these targets for myself and if i am the work disappointments the financial strains all those other stuff fall in line then in a context that makes it bearable mm. and that is where the perseverance comes from what is your ultimate creative goal if you have one Okay, so my ultimate attainable goal was two things, really. I want to work on a big budget movie. I want to work under a really insightful, creative art director and that I could just answer with my costuming. I want the film to look spectacular. I want to have a big part in that. I want to experience what that feels like. I definitely want more film work. It sets my soul on fire. I love it. The collaborative effort, just being on a film set, it's amazing. So I definitely want to bump up the film side of my career and the other thing is i don't know that i have fully fleshed out the financial possibilities of my clothing line Mm -hmm. it's it's always a question mark i have in Mm -hmm. my mind i've kept it small for very many reasons Mm -hmm. but that always stays kind of percolating in the back there that Mm -hmm. have i actually given it 
all I have? Or is there still room there? Tell me about your first film experience. How was that for you? Okay, so my first film experience was Marielle Brown was doing a documentary about her dad, the writer Wayne Brown. So she wanted to do what she was calling archival reenactment mocked up home videos so we got actors to play the role of her her sister her dad her mum and she said oh do you mind stressing a couple of people in my film or whatever i was like yeah no problem and when we sat down and broke it down i really realized the scope of the job that i was undertaking but i just i don't know like a switch just flipped on i just understood how to story tell with the clothing i couldn't believe that i had found something that i could take the skill set i already had and do something totally fresh and different i found it so inspirational like as i said it's terrifying because it's stretching you in a whole other way but we pulled it off i mean marl it's my good friend but she does not mix matters her standards are high so she's not cutting you any slack because you happen to have a personal relationship you better live up to what the requirements are or you will hear about it and i really kind of appreciated that because i had to bring my a game she wasn't i got the gig because we were friends but i held it because i was able to to step up and do it you know and one of the things she said when we were discussing it after she kind of gave me like a little critique the goods the bads the whatevers and also helpful for me because of course i hadn't done a film before to understand from a filmmaking perspective Mm -hmm. how it all broke down and she said oh but a friend of my dad's asked me where did we get all this footage of wayne from and i was like because that means that we, it was believable, yes. right? So we accomplished our goal. And I was very lucky. It was a, a really great first entry. It went well. The film went on to win prizes in the Toronto Film Festival and the Trinidad Film Festival. And I mean, as a first time experience goes, it was brilliant. For someone wanting to do what you do, what advice would you be able to give them? They just want to start out, you know, they have this itch they want to scratch. Yeah. So here's this interesting thing. When I first had my kids, I took like a long, I always joke, it was like the longest maternity leave ever. It was like four and a half years. And when I came back out into the industry in like the end of 2005, UTT had been open for a couple of years and they had a lot of different graduates. And what I find is that in dealing with these younger heads coming into the fashion industry, I am constantly amazed and inspired by them. Like they have, I don't know, such get up and go, such fresh ideas. Like they're not waiting for the gatekeepers to give them access, right? They have things they want to say. They have projects they want to try and mm-hmm. they're figuring out ways to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I find that like so amazing. So for me to say what advice would I give? I don't know. The world is a totally different place now than it was when I started out. So from a practical standpoint, I don't know that I can really tell you steps to take, but from an emotional and, you know, I don't think that changes. And you just said it. If you have an itch that you must scratch, run towards that light. Don't like the what ifs and the doubts. You have mm-hmm. to start somewhere. And if you want to try something out, don't wait. Don't wait and be a, maybe tactical. I definitely wasn't tactical. You know, there are issues that go along with that, right? I've worked them out for myself. I think if you kind of really pick an end goal and start and be thoughtful about the, the steps that you take to get there, you know, but definitely start. Don't wait, don't wait. Life is short and... Uh, There's so many great options now to get out there, you know, so, and you'll improve as you go. So go for it. Tell me a little bit about your aesthetic for your clothing line. Well, basically I do a lot of day dresses and jumpsuits. The aesthetic, the shapes are deceptively simple. Sometimes on the hanger, you can't really tell. They just seem to hang there and you don't really know until you try them on. You see how they behave on a woman's body. Because I think that women's lives are so full and so busy as it is that you want to just put something on at the start of the day that's going to give you a little kick of joy and it's going to make you feel good but it can also be practical for everything that you either have to go to the bank pick your children up at school work 
whatever you need to do in a day, you, you pretty much are covered wherever you sort of end up. So it's definitely the marriage between something pretty and interesting in the print and something practical in terms of the silhouette and the design thought that goes into it. You know, most of the dresses will have pockets. There are a hem length that works if you have to be busy in your day if you're picking up a toddler or you know you're not necessarily mm-hmm. just sitting at a desk all day i think you can feel great and look great without having to sacrifice a little bit of style a solace dress is for a woman who wants to get dressed in the morning look great and then not really consider it again for the rest of the day just pick up her compliments as she goes you know mm-hmm. she's going to be looking absolutely fabulous well lisa thank you very much before we go can you tell the audience so we could find you online i am on facebook so lisa on instagram so underscore lisa we'll definitely put all of those things in the show notes and with that i want to thank you very much for your time (laughs) i always have instant interviewees remorse when it's all over so i'm like today you want to answer the question right what information did i just give out it's like i go into a haze and when i come out i'm like oh hope i said something that made sense i am so lisa and in a big box of crayons i would be multicolor madness please share this episode with someone who would find it valuable If you haven't yet, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts to get new episodes as they become available. Find additional content on abigboxofcrayons.com. Follow us on Instagram at abigboxofcrayons. We Are Crayons, the podcast, is a production of A Big Box of Crayons. All rights reserved. Until next time, remember, we are all the same in the fact that we'll never be the same. Stay colorful and thank you for listening.